Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. Well, which way do they go, George? Which way do they go? Rocket cow decline on my spot. Fine, make it one of a kind. Whole conversation with my mind over time. I mean, longitude and latitude. Now, I'm not mad at you. With you, I would take an attitude, but where's the gratitude? See, flag the type to clock you in the mouth. Then ask around to see if there's a doctor in the house. There's nothing to talk about. He called me out and did him nasty. That's for talking out the side of your mouth. Nash, ain't Damn, G. Y'all look at baby. Speeding in more. Penultimate is made up of three extremely talented individuals. Will Shrills, Bacon Bear, and Red Flag. They're all MCs, but they all have the ability to, and talent as producers and engineers and mixers. They've just released their latest album called Pretty Good, which is definitely a great album to listen to. The production and flows work perfectly together. And with that, I want to welcome Penultimate to the Library of Timonico. Thank you so much for joining me, gentlemen. Hey, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, appreciate you, man. Since we're all doing this audio, I would like if you could quickly, you know, individually just introduce yourself so the audience kind of knows who they're talking to or listening to as. So uh, I guess uh, since I have you in order on my list, I'll put a red flag if you go first. All right. Um, So if I had ordered it my way, I would have put Skrills first because this is how all of our range goes. We got Skrill on the high end, me in the middle, and Bacon Bear on the base. (laughs) But I am red flag. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you again for having us. Cool, definitely for being here. And uh, Skrills, go next. Yeah, man, I'm Will Skrills here. You know, born and raised in New York City. Been kind of doing this a long time until I met these boys. and was like, oh, this is the shit we really want to do. So stoked to be here. And I'm also our audio engineer. I do it professionally and I do it for us. So, you know, all the recording, mixing, all that stuff. And nice. It's me. Cool. And uh, last but certainly not least, uh, Bacon Bear. Hey, uh, Bacon Bear here. Um, yeah, I'm the deep voice rapper in the group. The silliest, most mumbly mouth, if you can't already tell. Um, <laughs> um, squad member galore. So yeah, that's us. Penultimate, baby. Cool, dope. Uh, so, so, so as my understanding, uh, through emails with Bacon Bear was that, uh, Will Squirrels and Bacon Bear have known each other since preschool. So that's a very long time, obviously. Yes. Uh, been a while. Became, yeah, that's my brother. That's my brother right there. Became friends with, uh, Red Flag at NYU. Um, and then you guys kind of teamed up after Red Flag and Bacon Bear was working on this song, and you guys sent it to Skrills. So, and then Skrills did his wanted to do his verse on it, and obviously killed it because this is why you guys are here. Uh, so, first of all, uh, Baron, did you know Skrills had this kind of lyrical ability prior to this? Was this like a surprise, or I mean, or did you kind of expect him to actually want to do his own thing on this once you sent it to him? 
Uh, well, what me and him grew up together, and we, uh, I would say both of us have been loving hip hop since we've known about it. And so, as we were growing up, a lot of times what we'd do, we'd get together, smoke a joint or two, and freestyle. And so, um, I always knew my man had skills. Um, but when we went off to college, he went to Texas. I was out in uh, Boston, then upstate, uh, not upstate, but New Paul's mm-hmm. in New York. And we were separate. And so we were both doing our own things. And at that time, I was traveling back and forth to the city a bunch. And that's when me and Red Flag became good buddies. And he started producing. And so um, when me and Red Flag started cooking up something and really thinking, oh, we might make a group, um, Will had started his solo project out in Texas and was doing this thing, doing some shows. And so uh, we were catching up one time and he sent me some music. So I sent him something and I was just showing him my music. And then he re- emails me back like, yo, um, love the track so much. I'm on it. Now. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn. Uh, and uh, me and Flag sat there, scratched your chin to listen and said, fuck, yeah, you are. You killed it. And so, yeah. Yeah. For me, it was a no brainer. Mm-hmm. There was no like yeah. debate about it or anything. We like, I, as far as I remember, we listened to it once, and I was like, "Well, yeah, we sh- we should probably make it a trio then, right?" <laughs> that makes sense, and pretty much went from there. Uh, yeah. Well, did you want to go? I'm sorry. No, no, I was just, I, I was like kind of a perfect time for me because I had moved down to Austin for school and I'd been doing the music thing. Like, I mean, Sam and I had been making music, like not super serious, but like you said, freestyling, like since super i remember the first time we ever got drunk my man looked like he was 35 when, <laughs> when we were like 14 <laughs> and like i don't remember what that, sh- that stuff you. that came out was that was like the stuff like you know like oh sparks and it was like the rage for a quick second and it was kind of like oh, soda so for like kids we were like <laughs> yo we gotta get that. our hands on this and like i might probably younger than 14 and like we get our hands sammy goes in doesn't get carded gets us some sparks and the first thing we did the first time we ever got drunk was wrote some like ridiculous song dude i still wish we had that to this day so once <laughs> oh, the history was roy. there with like with roy with our buddy roy and so the history was there and like i was in austin and like i was doing like hip-hop and like some like reggae fusion and like all sorts of stuff while i was there but i just never really felt like i i clicked with the scene so like I was already at the point where I was like finding people's beats or like stuff I liked on SoundCloud and reaching out to random people and trying to do like collaborations and just get something going. And all of a sudden I get this thing sent to me from like my boy and this dude red flag I hadn't heard of yet. And was just like, not only is this fire, this is like the type of stuff that I've been wanting to do. And I actually know these dudes and I was already planning to move back to New York. So I think that was really, it was just like, it seemed like this perfect storm of of things coming together, you know, like that started the first time we got drunk. Before I ask you guys about obviously your your influences and, and, you know, um, what did you guys start recording right away as penultimate or did you actually wait till everyone was back in new york together so kind of made more sense to start writing together i think yeah it was pretty immediate once once we were all able to get in the same room you know we pretty much hit the ground running with what we will was able to easily rig up with like the elect you know his uh his audio gear at the time and will was going through audio uh digital audio school at that time so he was like you know learning new shit every day every day so every time we would go back which was you know multiple times a week we were younger then with fewer responsibilities we would you know we pretty much started banging out tracks quickly like our our first album uh came together very very quickly uh in comparison to the second one which 
was more painstaking and took longer and I think came out better, hopefully, but that's, uh, yeah. But at the beginning it was like, it was a no brainer. We were just instantly all just sitting there in a circle, you know, writing ideas down, putting songs together quickly. Oh, uh, you know, it's obviously with all new artists, there's always comparisons. And I think in my email, I said, you know, obviously you guys have heard like the Beastie Boys and Eminem and you guys mentioned it in, in, in your album, uh, pretty <laughs> yeah, good. But I, I think my email, I said, <laughs> be real meets Afro beats. Ari the Rugged Man and then something else reminded me of Gift of Gab after listening to Saturday Morning Bartoons I'm all over the place with who you guys remind me of but um, so who are your influences and like who and and when you get these comparisons what do they mean to you I mean do you try to embrace them or do you try to you know run away from them or what do you what do you do with them I love them personally like like for sure we get the Beastie Boys and Eminem comparison that we we dropped on like you know we kind of had, had a joke about on the album and to me like that's just like the highest praise you know what i mean um so i've always people like dude you sound like eminem i'm like honestly i don't really think i'm good enough to take that but if you want to tell if you want to make that connection in your brain then i i love you to do it nice. you know what i mean it's like I, I think we're pretty like aware of like our 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 place and the the progression of things and there's just no way we couldn't have grown and learned from those guys. And so it's just like, to me, I respect those. And like that, those are the idols, the things that like, I feel like I can never get to. So like to hear those comparisons is, is super, it's super flattering, honestly. And like, I would say major influence that might not be as obvious, even though you said the argument is, is like some Wu-Tang. Oh, nice. It's just like their, their vibe on how they treated a group, um, how like everyone got together on on tons of tracks but you also have tracks where some people are featured some people sit out like you might just have like a method man track and that's cool on an album because it's not like ego it makes it makes the album better to have like the m-e-t-h-o-d man you know right in the middle of the album so it's like yeah so i i would say that in terms of like trying to just put things together in that raw sound of like let's not overthink everything because we don't have the budget to make this thing or to make this like this polished pop production or the desire so i would say for me wu-tang is the other like sort of benchmark of like how you make something a little like rough around the edges that is like just can be compared with anything anyway though you know that would be mine that's dope you know when you hear your name penultimate obviously like the first thing i uh thought about was um the rapper Wordsworth on uh, on Lyricist Lounge when he does this thing he goes I'm ill literate you illiterate uh, and I could like play on that and obviously penultimate is your play on uh, and we could we could do it, the Latin origin of you know in the 17th century whatever whatever where does the name come from um, and then why is it you know it, it you know technically it means second to last so why kind of the play yeah, on second yeah. to last yep 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 I actually remember the exact conversation in the same room. Yeah where we you know, started <laughs> cranking out all those same songs. And it was a, it was a silly conversation. Like we were, we were fully aware that any name that we came up with for a trio, like the odds were it was going to be silly in some way. Like <laughs> if we overcommitted to a name that was like, you know, not to be toyed with and, you know, hundred percent serious, then we were going to box ourselves in. So I don't remember who, maybe, maybe Bacon Bear remembers uh, but somebody like just spit out, started just saying words. And that was one of the words. And then like we ended up, 
Hold up. Yeah. This is what happened. Yo, so it was too funny. Um, first off, Penultimate was initially not a trio. It was a quad. And our buddy who uh, actually left. Yeah, this is something. Again, oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're uh, right. Yeah, my see, buddy, Pete Lee, who moved uh, <laughs> out to uh, with his family's business about, uh, out in South Korea. Props to my man, Pete Lee, a.k.a. Pete uh, Freely. And um and the thing was that all of us really loved the writing aspect of it, but we kind of knew it was corny as hell to just be like, we love writing. <laughs> and so we sat there and kind of were reflecting on it. We're like, man, our pet's ultimate, though, da 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 And then we kind of joked at the idea of second to last. And my favorite thing that's come of that is, um, man, we're second to last in a two-horse race, hmm. uh, which uh, was that – who was that? Was that you, uh, Red yeah, Flag, that you? No, yeah, sorry, I think that was – in the uh, the Lower East Side apartment writing um, the Nunu for our yeah. first album. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it was from the idea, which is our general rap affect, which is we're going to write something you want to listen to, but even though it's serious and we're having a lot of fun making it, we take care in our craft. We still have fun with this and it's tongue in cheek the whole time. And like, yeah, you know, I think, I think you see that in like the album title too. I think it's like very similar in theme. Like we put a lot of effort into it and we focus on the writing and I think we're all really proud of our writing, but it's also like super self-reflexive and tongue in cheek. And so like, I, I think we love the idea of this penultimate, which, you know, like some guys, Jackson's like in some of his battles, people like love to goof on. It sounds kind of like some lyrical miracle <laughs> type shit until you like break it down and you realize it's kind of insulting to us in a funny way it's like it's like you think it's that but when you like analyze it it's actually clearly it's like a self-reflexive joke right. and i think that that's kind of like right. in a lot of our music like we just it's kind of the vibe you know it's not humor rap but like there's definitely some humor kind of underlying a lot of it and i think that was you know what, that what really encapsulates it perfectly and we couldn't we couldn't believe we found this clip randomly on youtube is this guy who's like <laughs> really into words and he's talking about you know just random words out of the dictionary and one was penultimate. And this just resulted from us just searching penultimate and just see what we could find. And the guy ends up like breaking down our entire ethos so perfectly. He's like, people think it means great. People think it means, you know, the the super ultimate, nothing better. But it really just means second to last. Right. So <laughs> that's kind of, that's that's what we're all about. It's like, yeah, we're, we're going to do our best with it. It's going to be pretty good. But God knows, you know, we're not invested in you know, it changing your life or ours. This is for fun. Uh, you guys are obviously, I mean, obviously lyrically very talented, production's very talented, and you actually do really cool things. And I want to talk quickly about the uh, the video for Hope is Dead uh, off the first album of the mixtape. Uh, it, you know, it allows the viewer to kind of move the camera wherever they want it to do. I found myself during Bacon Bear's first not finding you at all. Uh, <laughs> I moved a lot. Yeah, I was like, where the hell did he go? Uh <laughs> So I was like, what, what was the kind of what was the idea behind this um, this video, the concept, and how did how did you want it to complement the actual track? Um, the thing was, we uh, had a manager at the time who was so dope, and we still got a lot of love for them. Um, still dope. They killed it. Still dope. Um, but they were just so creative, and it was right around when 360 technology first dropped mm -hmm. with videos, and so he was ahead of the curve. He actually didn't even have a proper 360 camera, so the videos created from six GoPros uh, rigged in a 3D model that he made. Wow. Yeah, he had a 3D so, printed mount from work <laughs> yeah it was so seriously like one of the most impressive looking things wild 
a wild creative shout out to him. Um, and so as we, uh, he made this and had the idea for it at the end because we were shooting the Patrick Wavy video and that was a whole big production that was a lot of cool, that was very cool, but it was very thought out and done well with shots. And this video was supposed to just kind of be a throwaway video and it ended up being super awesome and, uh, it was fun and at the video that we used, we took, we did about four takes looking at the 360 camera and the first one to him, four people to watch as we were standing there. And the one we actually used was the last one where our manager was like, yo man, go nuts, have fun, get funky with it. And we kind of felt like it was more fun to have you kind of be in the environment. It's not only about watching us as the artists, but again, this is the LES, where again, as a block or two away from where Red Flag lived at the time. Mirrors and smoke, three feet of hope. I see you clearly to cope. Clipping six feet below, like they old miracle grow. We dancing with the devil, and it's cheers to the host. Hope's dead. Tell me something I don't know. Peeps care more about their GoPros and the ozone bozos. Peeps care less about policy change and more about the death of Jon Snow. My tyranny like Tyrion. Cutting through rap zombies like Valyrian. Right. The, where we shot it actually doesn't exist anymore because that whole area right before the Williamsburg Bridge has sort of been remodeled. And where we were standing was sort of this weird wasteland where you can kind of stand in the middle of the street and have like the chaos going all around you, but you know, not really be about to get hit by a car. But I don't think we could. I don't think we could film that now. I think it's totally different there now. Um, Facts. I want to turn the new album. Uh, pretty good. Um, the tr- you know we we, we talked we, we obviously just talked about your your, your hip hop influences but you know if you look at the track uh, eighty nine Thunderbird it's not over a traditional hip hop beat uh, it's more of a, obviously like a rock beat uh, so what are your musical influences and kind of how challenging is it is it challenging at all to kind of rap over uh, I guess a traditional rock beat. Well, having made that beat like on a whim completely, that's the song is funny. Is like it's not. It sounds like it's like some Van Halen type shit or something, but it's actually uh, Stanley Clark, I believe, Danger Street. Um, so it's like a very, it's a more rock sound than you would ever expect from him. Also, so I remember just hearing that song randomly one day, and like I just had this idea of like, wouldn't it be funny to just kind of for penultimate to do like a. I don't know what to call it, really embrace the Beastie Boys angle for at least one song and just kind of make this like absurd, like overdriven guitar, you know, kind of old school sound and just banger. And I played it, you know, for the boys and they sort of had a similar reaction, like, oh, that would be fun. And we can kind of rap on like this, this general theme of just like, you know, stuff of an older vintage. We can be silly as hell, you know, we can... And then I don't remember exactly where Thunderbird leather jacket rap came from, but that just well, felt so perfect. You know, we were thinking about like, that scene from like uh, Billy Madison, like when he goes back to high school and like there's some guitar riff playing and he rolls up like thinking he's the coolest dude and he's like instantly reminded that he's a loser and he right. doesn't fit in. <laughs> so that's that's kind of the inspiration for that whole track. Yeah, I remember us sitting there too and like starting to write it and like being like, how do we write like a, you know, we're not trying to write like just a, an actual rock song off this. And then I think we came up with that 89 Thunderbird thing and it's just vision of like, cool but like kind of 30 years ago and how it kind of looks funny today to like look back at that and be like that's not really it and just that juxtaposition of like trying to you know it was like cool but also like embracing that if you listen to a lot of the lyrics they're pretty funny throwbacks and like kind of jokes 
like to things that sort of happened in that time, like a lot of references to to bands and like culture. I kind of had like dazed and confused that movie, like you know, with the like the dude who like always hits on the eighteen year old girls, and he's like, you know, they get yeah, they get. I get older, but they stay the same right. age and the whole thing. And like, just that sort of image of cool from back then and like embracing that, but with like a hip hop sensibility, which to me is like actually really cool right. and trying to like to, to take those feelings that people had back then. And, and like that braggadocio of hip hop and like combine the two. And like, we're bragging about like, he's doing all sorts of shit you wouldn't do today. And like, I don't know, there's some funny lines in there, I think. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, I would say some of our bigger influences in music are people who bend genres and change it. Um, my pops, Bill Adler, hip-hop archivist, uh, is somebody who sat there. I grew up listening to the Beastie Boys, Run DMC, right. Rick Rubin as a producer in general, Marley Morrow, all this type of stuff. And so in modern producers, people who we love is people like Rock Marciano, Ghostface Killa, uh, many people who do not conform to the usual idea of what a beat is. Mm -hmm. um, we are not trying to be anybody else. The thing that I love about hip hop, it's, um, it's a beacon for you to be as individualistic as you want, as you as you want, and a platform for it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really what we do best is be us on these tracks loud and clear and really go left as much as possible. Yeah, that's a good point is like, we want to be the type of group that can have a ridiculous, you know, overdriven guitar loop with like banging drums and then maybe do like a totally different vibe beat with no drums in it at all. And it's just this weird loop or something. We want to be the group that can, you know, yeah. make that seamless. And so we tried a lot more of that on, on pretty good. Pretty good is a lot more that way. Um, I just wanted to, I wanted to like, like uh, pick up on Sam's point, which I think is really good is that we do try to like, bring a lot of ourselves in different ways. And I think about like, you know, growing up in the city, like Sammy growing up with, with Bill Adler as a father. And like, I grew up playing guitar and like mixing music. I'm always mixing rock. Like those things are like, those sounds are a huge part of our influence in a different way. Like that's maybe less what we pursued in terms of like what we wanted to do creatively, but it was just there. And so when we had this thing that bridged the two gaps, I think that made it like such a, it's something that like really excited us because it was like oh wow i get to like sort of dig into this vibe that you know when i was like really young i probably grew up I, you know i was listening to more zeppelin and and like the stones than like anything else so it was kind of cool to like dig back into that and be like okay this isn't what you know 14 year old me and on would have pictured me doing but this is what like younger me would have pictured and that's kind of fun too to bring that side out because you know you got to write a lot of songs so it's good to switch them up we all like we have some background with the instruments too. Like I used to play in like a it was closer to rock than hip hop, you know, back in like high school I used to mess around with that. So definitely fun to tap back into some of that. Uh, Sam, you brought it up, but I, I mean, I want to ask you real quickly, uh, possible conversations that all of you might have had with Bill Adler. Uh, you know, he obviously, <laughs> who he is, he, he, he wrote Tougher Than Leather, the authorized biography of Run DMC. And, and it reminded me, and once, you know, I've had DMC on this, pro, you know, a few times, and his big thing was he talked about how, yeah, when everyone was doing blue, we mm -hmm. made sure to do red, you know, that type of stuff. Um, yep. From conversations you've all had with Bill, uh, what 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 has been like the biggest impact in terms of how you should approach being new artists in this music industry, especially today in today's age? Wow, what a question! That's a dope question. I think, like for me. Bill Adler's record collection is like something that I can like immediately just relate to. And his, 
his like dedication to just preserving the shit that he thinks is dope and you know showcasing it how how he thinks is dope it's kind of just validated like i think this desire we all have to kind of just like rock with the shit that we think is cool you know matter what else is going on and like bill adler is like such a great example of somebody who has like done that for his life and he's made that his thing and like you, you just have to respect somebody who like has yeah. that respect for the craft that they're that they're engaged in and is willing to you know pour all that time into a single piece a single record whatever it is like that just makes me want to just stay on the grind that we've we've dedicated ourselves to and you know not make those copies yeah i agree i and i like i remember i actually filmed a short documentary with a friend of mine i did the audio for it with bill and that was something i that kind of resonates with me as well like seeing his record collection but also his love for the role of different styles of music and the view of like of music history as a whole, you know, as much as Bill Adler is known for his role in hip hop. I mean, the man is just well-versed in everything. And I think that's why he was so great dealing with hip hop is because hip hop takes from so many different areas. And it, it kind of, I think at least in the style that we're talking requires such a, a, an awareness of history and your role in it. And I think that that's something like I took from those conversations is trying to like see us, you know, a, a, in this continuum of like a culture and trying to find our niche and not step on it while also bringing our own thing to it. And I, I feel like that was very much inspired from interactions with him. Yeah, um, my father is an intense human being. Um, he's serious and he cares, which is beautiful, but when he just talks, it seems like he's grilling you. And so, uh, in general, what I've learned from him about this and what he's talked to me about is, again, his knowledge of music is absurd. Like Will said, my man's been in the music industry since he was I think 17 he went to college early and started working in a record store um, he grew up in Michigan during Motown era that type of stuff so it's like and then he's in New York and Boston and he's gone to shows he's interviewed everyone he's seen everything and so his ethos always is get to the point make it dope be concise mm-hmm. um, which has always been good for us because we again every rapper loves to hear themselves for 45 minutes straight like woo i killed that um but then who the fuck else cares so the idea is how can you make it dope show them the best part and want them coming back for more um and so yeah keep it concise yeah you don't hear a lot of five minute intros on our songs that's true (laughs) uh i want to go back to quickly kind of talk about the uh the production process with you guys i mean how does it work is it usually uh a beats being you know red flag are you making the instrumental and then you kind of present it to the guys is someone write a maybe write a verse and then kind of, Hey, I want to do this, this, and this, and you kind of make a beat around it. How does it usually, or is it obviously a case by case with each track? Well, we've definitely done just, we've definitely had random things where like the few times that we've used beats that aren't produced by me, like we'll just know of it from somewhere, probably usually a friend and like, we'll get inspired and just go with it. Like there's definitely no hard and fast rule that, that we can't do that. But what we do often do is like, I'll just, export you know five ten beats at a time the ones that i'm always working on because you know i always have 20 25 unfinished ones that i slowly get through so we usually have like a good you know a good selection to to flip through and a lot of times you know one or both of the dudes will be there while i'm making it but a lot of times too we'll just meet up and kind of just go through you know what's what's new since we last met up and 
I mean, I've always been real grateful for that. It's, it's a dope feeling to just, you know, consistently get to make beats and then, you know, actually get to see it through with the whole, I mean, we have dozens that we haven't used, obviously, but we very often just go through that same, yeah. uh, that same routine. I, I definitely owe the boys a few more too. I gave them a care package a, a couple weeks ago, but definitely need to send a few more through mm-hmm. in the quarantine. Yeah, but I would say that like uh, like at least eighty percent of the time it's starting with a beat. Mm-hmm. Like we definitely have you know we freestyle together so much and just when you hang as much as we do, we have like a lot of inside jokes and like you have melodies and concepts that like definitely will pre exist the beat that they end up on. But even then, it's it's very rarely like like we had kind of the concept of dinner boys or please don't take my fries. Like before those beats had necessarily been assigned to them, but it still was sort of like things that were in the back burner until all of a sudden we hear a beat and we're just like, oh my God, this would be perfect for that that thing we've been riffing on for a month now. So there's some stuff that needs the beats, but I I would say like when it comes to actually structuring and coming up with a song, it kind of all has to follow from like the energy and the flow of like that, you know, kind of the drums and the melody and the beat. And then that's where we really like get something to a finished product. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. We do a lot of stuff that's like, and, and I'm sure Sam will be eager to tell you <laughs> that he has, you know, a lot of like things that he'll just kind of like refrains that are, don't really mean anything or, or we at least think they don't at the time and they kind of become an inside <laughs> joke and like super out of left field and it seems like the kind of thing you could never make a song out of. But lo and behold, like that's how songs like Dinner Boys were born. Like just a whole song about like just eating dinner and like there's nothing really, there's nothing really there that would tell you like, oh yeah, that's the perfect thing to make a rap song about. But a lot of times those end up being our best songs because you're just having fun and just doing something different and it hits in a different way. Uh, I don't, I don't know of anyone else who just raps about food with like literal food, you know. But for me, action. Yeah, and shout out to MF Doom also with his, you know, the entire next level. But we were on some other shit with that. But yeah, Sam is famous for that. He'll he'll be repeating, you know, singing some melody to himself, and then it ends up in a song, and usually some of our best ones. Not no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So the main process we used to do as a squad when we had more time was get together, hear the beat, freestyle to it, and try and catch something. More and more as... We've gotten older now. Um, everyone has their own job. Everyone lives kind of far from each other. So more often than not, you're kind of isolated and incubating ideas. So my crazy self left to my own devices without any realm of realism. I like to just hum shit and make things up. And so a lot of times certain melodies come to me, but the words don't. So a lot of rappers I know I've heard in the art of rap uh, with Ice-T, a lot of rappers like Ra and other things will hum out the Mm -hmm. rhythm to try and dope it out and things like that. For me, something catches my ear. It sounds funny the way something says it catches your ear and i'm gonna have to redo it so um things that are more serious like the chorus to pass on by featuring justin alexander i wrote that uh, chorus can i sing it (laughs) (laughs) do it so um the point i like all of it is the fun kind of play off each other like again will made the chorus to heavy headed after he heard our verse 
um, Can't Be Bothered I think was another collab with all of us together but it's really kind of genuine like when somebody gets hot other people get hyped it's that New York City cypher type of thing where oh you're going to do that oh alright I'm going to do something to add on make it fresh it's going to be I'm going to be the star so it's um, playful um, competitive nature constantly but also to make a dope track rather than just to be better than each other uh, right speaking of uh, heavy uh, heavy headed I, I actually want to ask you a few questions about that uh, Scrooge you spit Hard Rock's my album honor there ain't no, there ain't such thing as no you just gotta battle hard um, what, for all of you what obstacles have you guys kind of kind of gotten in your way maybe during this process of you know becoming artists and trying to you know create this fan base for you and how have you kind of pushed those obstacles out of the way to continue going uh, I guess I'll, I'll field that one first um, yeah like I think a lot of it was like psychological obstacles I mean there's always the, the physical things here and there but when I was thinking of that line I was just thinking of kind of how lost I got at a certain point and how you know yeah, I always did fine in school and kind of did stick to some main paths so I think that's where the alma mater thing but I've always looked at how I diverged from that path. And even while doing that, like I felt like the, like 99% of my energy was kind of in this like psychological exploration via, you know, substances and music basically. And I honestly, to this day, feel like that's where I've grown and where I've like found these ideas and themes and this sort of drive to express. So I, like my idea in that line was it, it's really like the tough knocks and the sort of deviations from the path and the, the scary kind of life and death experiences, the run-ins with the cops, the things like that, that kind of have like shaped my aesthetic and my, my view of the light uh, of the world such that like, I feel like I need to express something, um, you know, so there's like the little stuff, the, 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 over, the overdoses and the things like that along the way that, that, you know, at first seems so horrible, but I think they give you a sort of reason where you're like, Yo, I didn't go through, I didn't put myself through all this shit. And I haven't sort of seen behind the curtain to not like express it. Like, I, like I, you know, it's not an option. You know, you just feel like you need to. So that, that for me, just sort of, I would just say for me, like to, to put it in short terms, it was kind of a, a psychological journey that you can hear sort of referenced quite a bit on the two albums. Nice. Uh, yeah. Actually, that also, I think, if you, if you listen, like, the, in Heavy Headed, that's also part of the reason there's a bunch of things that sort of reverberate out, and, it, like, you know, I put a bunch of delays and sort of swirling effects at the end there, but one of the, one of the ones, like, I kind of took stuff from everyone's verse to, to make that effect, and the one I took from mine was the drugs of the lens through which it all appears clearer, and so that's very related to that that concept right there. Yeah, I mean, for me... It's, I definitely like, I'll, I'll highlight a completely different sort of obstacle. Um, and it's also like not a tangible one. Like for me personally, so much of my life has been about like trying to establish myself, uh, you know, in like a viable career, like take care of my family and all that good shit. For people who don't know, I do civil litigation. So that's my day job. <laughs> I'm an attorney. Um, and part of making music that I think all three of us relate to is like, you know, we're the kind of people like Will said, who's like, you don't have a choice. You've got to have a creative outlet. You know, you've got to make the shit that we make. We'd be making it even if we did nothing with it. But I think a big struggle for me personally has been like, okay, well now, you know, we've got the art, we've made the art. Now it's time to distribute the art and have people appreciate the art. And for me personally, that's where I start to get into the same mindset 
I get when I'm working on a new case. And, you know, it's just a, a headache. It's a pain in the ass. It's a job. It's, you know, the part, the creative fun part's over. Now I've got to, you know, so it's been more challenging than a lot of people might appreciate to like, you know, get this whole second album together, get it distributed properly, really do it right. But, you know, thank God we did because it feels so much better to actually, you know, see it all the way through. Yeah, of course, it's great to make music just for you, but to actually reach a fan base over the last couple of years and have you these dedicated people following us is, has been like the best feeling. Yeah. So rewarding. Yeah. And definitely feels like we cleared a major obstacle. Like we had to release our first album on Mediafire. We didn't know what we were doing, you know, but <laughs> now, it's, you know, we've come a long way since then. Um, but yeah, for me, that's that's been one of the foremost things that, you know, I kind of had to to grapple with just being creative and trying to balance that with the rest of life. Just make it happen. I actually got one more in that vein. Like, um, I, I think sometimes like growing up in New York, like I, I've always felt like I was good at things. And then I've like looked around and there's always been 10 kids that are just way better than you have. Like when I grew up playing sports or you do anything. And I think like another obstacle is like, especially sometimes you're looking in the mirror and not seeing yourself as like looking like your hip hop idols for the most part. Like sometimes just having the confidence to like actually realize that I've, and maybe I feel like I've gotten better with this over time. And this was the least a problem. I'm pretty good because we have had like a lot of support over the last couple of years from, you know, like from all sorts of different ways. And, and but it was very hard to see what I was doing as potentially something of this level. Like it's like, I always made music cause I had to make music, but I never truly felt like, like feeling that like self-esteem to be like, no, I got to put this, I got to like promote it. I got to tell my, my boys, I got to tell these strangers, you know, like a lot of people, I I toured with this, this show. I still, you know, will tour depending on how the world goes (laughs) with the show for three years, like hanging out with musicians. And I would say like, like only like three of the people on the 40 person tour actually knew that I made music. Cause I've always like kind of struggled with that, that sense of like, nah, like what, what, would someone else really want to listen to what I, what I'm doing? And it, it's, it's just taken a lot of performances and a lot of like putting things out and a lot of positive feedback to like realize that, yes, this is something that like, you know, not only is good for me, but like other people want to hear, you know, like I had a couple lucky things along the way. Like I had a, a song I wrote individually get picked up in like a video, like a parkour thing. And I, I took down some songs that I thought were trash and I had some kids write me and be like, what the hell, bro? You took down my, my you know, my fucking get up in the morning track. And it was like, it took a lot of things like that to realize like, Oh, I need to, like, I, I should have the confidence to share this. Like, like, you know, like to put it in front of people and not to right. be like, hey, you know, you want to check out my thing. But like, no, I think this is really freaking good and I want you to listen to it. So it's been a struggle, I think, to get to that point. I, again, obstacle to me um, in general has been just trying to sit there and make a cohesive idea and kind of follow things the way that I want. Because I'm very similar to Jackson in the sense I love the creative aspect and coming up with ideas, but then doing all the legwork's uh, annoying. But guess what? That's damn life. So um, as much as it's been an obstacle, it's been kind of fun figuring out all the new stuff and kind of going through the process. Because, again, it gives me so much more love for a lot of artists who've done it on their own. Like, we are doing almost every aspect. We're not buying beats. We're not 
again, going to get studio time. Like this is all homemade from what we've done. We've recorded all of pretty good in Will's home studio. Now, yes, we're very lucky. He's an audio engineer. It's a so nice home, home studio. studio. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's studio. not the closet. Not the closet. No, not, not quite. Well, he's been, well, yeah, we did the call. That's where penultimate started. But um, uh, again, it just we've the obstacles we've come over. Basically, what are we going to do? What is our voice? For me, this is what I think. And how are we going to drop and hit and be something interesting that people are going to want to listen to? Because I like me, um, but that doesn't mean much. So how am I going to get other people to? So. Um, it's been a lot of fun kind of refining and learning from each other and hearing a lot of dope new stuff come out, really inspired by the Griselda boys coming out. Uh, like I mentioned, Rock Marciano. Um, I saw you did, um, uh, uh, yeah, Freddie Gibbs. Oh, my Lord, Mad Lib. Like, I grew up copying Mad Lib records, and now he's be just hitting the mainstream. Stories like that give me so much hope that we're in an era where even though there's a bunch of oversaturation of the same thing, there are beautiful nuggets right now of creativity and growth that I think are now finally getting the love they deserve. Um, Griselda, Freddie, stuff like that. So after listening to, the obviously, the entire album, um, and yeah, I have to say again, production and flows to complement each other perfectly, uh, and then I had a, another realization that you guys all, oh, for, no, you, another realization that you also guys remind me of the far side, not because you sound like them, because you guys work off each other so well. Um, and it, it kind of weirdly sounds like when you guys are writing that it's just a freestyle that you guys, since you guys know each other, what you're going to say, it just works perfectly well. But, uh, the last track, uh, with, uh, heavy headed it's as as the hook states penultimate i love the song when the drums hit i always feel like there's nothing wrong so for each of you what is it about the drum that kind of inspires you when you you write or when you spit oh man (laughs) get in there (laughs) yeah so i mean i think a lot of people so all the production that i do is really based off records like that's where the idea generally comes from first there's a few exceptions to that but i'll like you know chop something up or loop something or whatever and I think a lot of producers are like this. I'm just obsessed with like open drum breaks because, of course, that's a tool for you know any producer who who does stuff the way I do it. And like you know, if I find a new record that has you know an open drum sound on it that I didn't know about, like that's a, just a day maker. And all of our you know not all, but a lot of our beats you know are just I try to make the drums you know as knocking as possible, and yeah, I think wait, that hold just up, hold up, hold up. drives a lot yeah. of what we do. Jackson, talk about how you didn't when you first started making beats. How would you make sure the drums hit hard enough? Oh uh, man, there's so many different ways. I don't know which which way. You the think red lights. Sure you I'm, I'm, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What Jackson would use to do, like there's ways now he does it that's more um, efficient or uh, usual. He used to just stack like six drums on top, top of each other until it hit as hard as he <laughs> nice. wanted. And so it was inefficient funny thing to see i'd walk over it'd be it would be a song and i'd see like a melody one bar bass one bar and then like 20 sets of drums because that's how much he cared about <laughs> oh yeah i mean and I've, I've like you said i've found different ways of kind of doing that but that's exactly right like i've been obsessing about them since day one before i even knew any other way to get like a kind of custom sound other than layering you know 15 different snares on top of each other so for me i'm just drum obsessed and I think like all three of us can just appreciate, you know, some drums with some dope swing or just some dope yeah. low end on them and just drives a lot of the music. And I mean, 
Will, you wrote that hook, actually, I think pretty much yeah. independently. So what, what were you thinking when you did I that? Had, I, yeah, I had a, a couple things. I mean, I think at that point, I'm trying to remember when I wrote that, but like I was going through a lot of questions like in the rest of my life or like what I wanted to do with things. And like when I put that, that beat on and I just started writing, like sometimes you even feel this resistance to writing, like this writer's like block type thing or almost a fear of writer's block where you're like, you're like, oh my God, I got to start writing. Nothing immediately pops to mind. Like, what am I going to do? I don't want to. And then you just start writing. And like, it's just fun. You're like, oh, the reason I've done this for like almost 20 years now is because it feels just fundamentally good. Mm -hmm. And I also was thinking about the rest of my life, like not just making hip hop, but like, you know, I love all types of music, but it's just something I've known about myself. Like if it's not slamming, you know, like I, I was saying, I love Zeppelin, but you listen to Zeppelin and John Bonham is, is fucking slamming. You know, I went down a huge rave phase. Like just, it's, there's something about drums and that rhythm that takes like these, these chaotic thoughts in my head. And it just, it gives such a backbone to your like psyche that like everything starts to fall into place and it gets your head bobbing and your body moving. And like, there's something about like, tr like rhythm, which I think is, I mean, I think most people would agree is, is just the foundation of this thing we all love, which is music that mm -hmm. just like at its core is the thing that gives us the feeling that clearly millions and millions of people around the world, like look for it. I know some people prefer like acoustic folk, but overall most uh, you listen to what most of what's selling like what's on top of the charts today and it's all got like heavy drums right. you know even pop has heavy drums now so like clearly that's kind of a popular sentiment but for me it's something i've always needed to feel and it's always made me feel better and it was like when the drums hit like that's what i'm writing to the most part like i definitely listen to the melodies and try to put words that in like rhythms that fit that but like it all it all returns back to the drums and i feel like you know, you could just rap over drums and have rapped over drums. And like so much of our freestyling was us on a roof, just like, and it's like, it's super fun because all you really need is the drum. So I feel like if you're going to, it's like one of those things that thank God we don't have to choose, but if I was going to have one aspect of music for the rest of my life, it would absolutely be drums. So that's kind of where that came from. <laughs> and yeah, for me, man, um, all our music, like again, once the music hits, man, we had so hyped. Like, we all got busy lives. Everyone got their problems right now. We got all the issues. We got the virus. We got all this shenanigans going on. And what virus? The beauty of making <laughs> Thank you. So uh, the beauty of making this music is really uh, a nice feeling, and it helps express a lot of pain. So I feel corny writing a song talking about how bad I feel, but I feel great rapping about things that I care about that I'm interested in. And it's similar to how you go see a movie when you're depressed or some, that type of distraction right. level. And so I just love our music for that because it's deep. It's dense. You can have fun listening to it in the background, but if you really want to dig in and dive into our psyches, there's a lot there and a lot of character there and a lot of emotion and, um, Secrets, man. Really, honestly, secrets. It's great. Like we all had to write out our lyrics uh, to put them up on Genius and all that. And as we were doing that, it was great seeing both Red Flags and Will Scrolls lyrics and re, um, just re understanding how damn dope both of them are and seeing their lyrics. And it was just so much damn fun, man. He's he's Bacon Bear, Will Scrolls, Red Flag. The penultimate new album is pretty good. 
pretty good. good. That's the name of the album. It's a good album. It's a great album. Uh, guys, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the Library of Tomatica. I really appreciate it, guys. Hey, really appreciate you, man. Thanks for having us. Biscuit in the sofa, crocodile slippers, butter on the table, white wine spritz. Sometimes I overdo it, so I gotta do it over. I ain't worried that I'm slurring, swear I sound stupid sober. Slow your roll, they told me before I said, get out my fucking face. All drum DJ said the only time I pump the brakes. You're a poser, now jam it in your head. More like a forum poster, just hanging by a thread. I compose a beat and throw it to who handle it the best. Never tie down to a track, I ain't no damsel in distress. I chef it nice, when my head up on a breast. Whoa, you wildin', I'm chefin' chicken, Sammy's who the yes. Oh, to the tones, to the bowl, to the bang. Macrosomes, how we do every day. Many flames, you wanna be different, but you're all the same. Want my name, but me no say como parle anglais. Yeah. Penultimate, I love this song. When the drums hit, I always feel like there's nothing wrong. I'm heavy headed till it's coming on. And the weight is lifted off my shoulders and the struggle's gone. Penultimate, I love this song. When the drums hit, I always feel like there's nothing wrong. I'm heavy headed till it's coming on. And the weight is lifted off my shoulders and the struggle's gone. Two like it is, one split, six rolling rocks. Mm, it's fucking just right, that's Goldilocks. Graduated to the best greenery from moldy crops. I'm always locked to be holding stock. I open shop. Told my doc, I'm having nightmares of the menial. I sweat the small things, so my music is remedial. The mic, I my therapist. The record is the mirror. The drugs are the lens through which it all appears clearer. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.